God's grace and peace be with you on this, the Lord's Day. So let me ask you this morning, how are you doing? You know what, uh, we get that question a lot, how are you? And uh, I got a sneaking suspicion that a lot of us respond with the same way. So let's practice this, okay? Um, I'll ask the question and all of you together, you give the common response, okay? How are you today? I said the common response. It sounded a little confusing. Fine or good, though. I heard fine or good, right? I'm glad to hear that. Let's go. We're done. No, right? Really? Are you doing fine? Are you doing fine? The reality is, if we're honest with ourselves and then honest with those who ask us that question, our responses might be different. How are you doing? Terrible. Struggling. Frustrated. Tired. Worn out. Stretched. Confused. Hurting. Challenged. Overwhelmed. Meh. I don't even know what I feel. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm ticked off. I don't know. Really? And then we use the word fine. Someone earlier this morning helped me understand what fine really means for them. Fine stands for freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Next time you use fine, think about that. Those descriptors that I listed sound pretty negative. And I'm sure that if someone asks you later today, how are you, I doubt if any of you would say, well, I'm feeling harassed and helpless, and I feel really lost. But those three descriptors are on our Lord's mind as He walks through cities and villages. Jesus doesn't ask the question, but as Matthew was led to record it, well, here again these words as Nathan just read them. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The God who made you lovely, as Pastor Nathan pointed out last week, because in all reality we are unlovely and unworthy, but He has made us lovely and worthy. That God knows us so well, and He knows our mortal condition. That Jesus describes the condition as harassed, helpless, wandering, lost, in essence, defenseless, searching. Again, like those others that I listed, not very positive, but very honest. Echoing the reality of the life that you and I live. But again, oh, we'll say, oh, I'm fine. We'd rather put up the mask, right? We'd rather present a different reality so that others really don't know what's going on on the inside. 
So what moved our Lord to respond in such a manner regarding the people? Matthew records that he walked through the villages and the cities. And if you would take time, I encourage you to do that. Look at Matthew 8 and Matthew 9, just two chapters. And our Lord saw one situation after another. I'll go through a quick list of them, starting Matthew 8. A leprous man, an outcast, comes to him trusting that Jesus can change him. There's the centurion who speaks of his servant who's paralyzed. There's Peter's mother-in-law laying in the house with a high fever. There's a, the demon possessed and the ill that the crowds are just bringing to our Lord. There's two men who were demon-possessed. They walk up to Jesus themselves. There's the paralytic whose friends lower him through the roof of the house, hoping he can work healing, and then Jesus works forgiveness. Last week, you studied the calling of Matthew, and let's be honest, Matthew's situation, unworthy and unlovable. There's those questioning religious practices, burdened by those practices, a synagogue official whose daughter has died, a woman in the midst of that situation touches Jesus' garment because she's been hemorrhaging for years. Two blind men are crying out, Lord, help us. A mute, demon-possessed man. And then there's the Pharisees too, who in the end feel Jesus is a servant of the devil. In the time span of two chapters, a few days, Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus saw the reality of how people were doing this side of heaven. And the reality is, in this broken and fallen creation, it's illness and paralysis, terminal disease, anticipated health issues, demonic possession, death, and religious practices that burden instead of bringing hope. That's why Jesus sees the crowds as harassed, helpless, and like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus responds. His response first in His own being is that He is filled with compassion. Compassion uh, in its root meaning talks about a, a gut feeling. He's moved in His very core to have pity and love. Jesus yearned for the people that He saw and ministered to. He was burdened by them and He hurt on the inside for them. And he knew what they needed. One thing. Yes, the healings are amazing. The raising of the dead is miraculous. The new life for a paralyzed body is a gift. But the one thing ultimately they needed was the gospel of the kingdom of heaven to know that there is one who rules over all things who in the midst of their harassment and helplessness and lostness, He can redirect them as the Good Shepherd. The One who feeds and strengthens and protects. So Jesus is filled with compassion and then He directs His followers to respond. If you pay attention, 
right after he sees the crowds and their situation, he looks to his 12 disciples and he said, now we need to pray. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into that harvest. Jesus extends his compassion into the lives of his disciples and first with prayer, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But then he also extends his compassion and the needs that he sees to his disciples by giving them his authority, those twelve, to go. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So they're first to go to the Jews who had heard the message of the gospel first in Christ. And as they go proclaiming, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, then show them these gifts that I give. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Again, those are amazing gifts, but the ultimate gift is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, the coming of the one who has authority over heaven and earth, Jesus Christ our Lord. He extends His authority and His compassion through them. And then as we continue in Matthew's Gospel, that extension of His authority is given to all followers. In the close of the Gospel, it says to go and make disciples not just of the Israelites, the Jews, but of all nations to go teaching and baptizing, bringing all the kingdom of heaven into the world. That's a compassionate call. That God in Christ sees harassment and helplessness and lostness and doesn't leave them in the midst of it and doesn't leave us in the midst of it, but He sends His servants out as an extension of Him so that they meet Jesus. And the amazing thing is, God sent His servants into your life. You are a Christ follower because of a servant whom God sent with His authority to announce the kingdom of heaven. And perhaps you've experienced some of those miraculous gifts that are signs of the Messiah, but the ultimate need that you and I have in the midst of our harassment and helplessness is Jesus, God's Son, our Savior. So how are you? Fine? No. Each one of us struggles in that harassment and that helplessness and that lostness. But Jesus, the one whom God sent, has the final say over sin and brokenness, over illness and disease, over pain and hurt and tears and sorrow. It's Jesus that you need. Now back to that prayer that He gave the disciples. A prayer that we also will pray. When Jesus sees the needs by His Father's design, He extends His authority into the lives of His servants so that the proclamation of Christ can go out. And the prayer is, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Lord, send out more 
servants. And so we will pray that. And where will those servants go? And who are those servants? First, let's talk about where they will go. They will go into other lives that are harassed and helpless and lost. And that's still happening today. As I was working on the message, I was reflecting over just our past week here among ministry staff and lives of families. Harassment, helplessness, lostness. Individuals that family members are struggling with one another. Individuals burdened with guilt and shame, wondering if the Lord can love them. Families that have been sitting at the bedside of the dying, hoping that death doesn't come. Individual abused by a spouse. Concerns about legal issues and being evicted. Helpless with housing needs and food insecurity. Temptations with addictions that are just gnawing at them. That's the helplessness and harassment that we witnessed just this week. And that was within the family of faith, let alone the community in which we live. And so we pray, Lord, send workers into this harvest. And those workers are not just full-time church workers. They're all who have experienced the compassionate love of God who has moved us from unlovely to lovely, from unworthy to worthy. You and me. So Lord, send us, we pray. Dad, on Father's Day, God's placed you in an important mission field. It's called your family. What a place to take the message of the compassionate Lord who brings the kingdom of heaven into our lives. Dad's I'm speaking myself too. Let's hear that call into the lives of our own families and into the lives of our grandchildren. And each one of us that God would send us. That's why we as a congregation are boldly saying that we proclaim and practice the love of God because we are His for all. And let me just make a personal observation about all. And it's a personal observation I find it a lot easier to minister to people that are like-minded with me, who aren't so harassed or so helpless or so lost according to my thoughts. And the church is tempted to behave the same way. But we are His for... You can say it. Oh, come on. We are His for all. No matter how harassed, how helpless, how lost you think they are, because they may think the same about you. But the compassion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ desires for us not to be lost or for them to be lost. So we pray, Lord, send us. And we as a church are also praying for individuals to go into full-time ministry. Set apart to serve. You're going to continue to hear about it. We prayed over Aaron and Claire the other week heading off to the seminary. We're going to pray over teacher candidates who are going to be heading off to college to study education or DC or music directors. We're going to keep praying that the Lord also raises up individuals. So when we talk with our youth, 
or when we're considering a change of career in midstream of life, perhaps God is setting you apart to serve full-time, to take this message of a compassionate Lord into the lives of those who are harassed and helpless. So may we give thanks to God for those servants who served us with the Gospel message. And may we go today, tomorrow, wherever the Lord places us, pointing others to Jesus who has authority over the demonic, over death, over illness, over paralysis, over sin, and has the authority of His Father to say, welcome home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now let us pray. Gracious God and Father, You know how harassed and helpless we have been, and You sent into our lives Your servants to point us to Your Son, Jesus. Lord, we pray that You would send workers into the harvest field. Send us, send each one of us, perhaps even this afternoon into our families to speak hope and assurance of Jesus. And then, Lord, throughout this week, help us to be more mindful that we would have that compassion and pity for one another, that they would know the hope of Christ, our risen Lord. In His name we pray. Amen.